Hey everyone, Pastor Kevin, listen, today I have a word from the Lord that I believe is going to be a blessing to your life, strengthen you in your journey. All of us need a shot in the arm in our faith, and I believe that word today is going to do that. Take the next few minutes, spread the word, tell your friends and family this message is coming on. I'm believing it's gonna change our lives, and I want you to hang on till the end. I'm gonna come back and pray for your needs, and I believe God's gonna touch today. Let's jump into this word and be blessed. I'll be back soon. But I wanna preach this morning on a second wind. Look at somebody tell them you're about to get a second wind. Oh, I feel this in the room today. I feel it in my spirit today. It's in my mind, it's in my heart. There's a second wind coming on the people today, hallelujah. Second wind, verse 12 of Hebrews 12. Uh, let's go back to verse 11, Chad, I'm sorry, thank you. Now no, now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward. How many know you gotta wait till you get to afterward? Afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, look at someone tell them therefore. Let me give you a theological principle. Anytime you see a therefore in the Bible, you need to read and see what the therefore is there for. It's so good. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be heal and the church said amen today we want to preach about your second wind come on tell one more neighbor you're about to get a second wind a second wind it's the second half of a year and for the second half you're about to get a second wind i feel this happening father thank you for what you're going to do and what you've already done help us to preach and receive the word in jesus name and the family said amen amen several years ago I preached a message from the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews, and many will not remember the messages that a preacher preaches, but the preacher will remember the message. <laughs> and the message was, run for your life. Because the apostle Paul here in Hebrews says, in the third, first three verses of the 12th chapter of Hebrews, he says, wherefore we are surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses, and since we are surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Those are the first three verses of this 12th chapter of Hebrews. And the word race is the Greek word agon, A-G-O-N. It is where we get our English word agony. When Paul says that you are to run this race, he is not talking about a turkey trot. This is not a joy jog. Yes, there will be joy for the journey, but this is an agonizing marathon-like endurance race. And when it says that we are surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses, this is an encouragement for those runners in the race that there are people who've already run this race who it did not look like they would win, 
But when you look at the end of their life, they crossed the finish line with victory and obtained the crown. And Paul says, because you are surrounded by men and women that have won the race and kept the faith and obtained the crown, he says, whatever you're going through in this life, you need to know if you will just keep on running, you're going to win. And these runners in the book of Hebrews, the church that he is speaking to, the born-again saints that he has written this letter to, you must understand they have experienced a certain level of hostility in their journey. Why? Because they were Jewish people. They were Hebrews who had been raised most of their life to serve God and honor God through the principles and the order of the old covenant. We know from this book of the Bible that the temple in Jerusalem was still erected. There were still sacrifices being made in Jerusalem at the time of the writing of Hebrews. We believe it's written sometime around uh, 65, 66 AD. And we know that the temple sacrifices were still happening and yet in the midst of the temple sacrifices still happening, Jesus had already come. Because how many know when Jesus came and was nailed to a cross, when he gave up the ghost and died, scripture says that the veil was rent from top to bottom, which lets us know that while Jesus was alive, the temple was still being used in Old Testament, Old Covenant operation. But because the lamb had come and the blood had been applied, that we now who were afar off from God through the shed blood of Jesus and the sacrifice of his perfect life, we could now get close to God and be restored back to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. In fact, if you read the whole book of Hebrews, if you wanna sum up the whole book of Hebrews in one word, the one word would be better. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than the lamb of the old covenant. In fact, Jesus was the lamb. When John the baptizer was baptizing in the river Jordan and Jesus walked up, he stopped the service and looked upon Jesus and said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the Hebrews had walked out of the old covenant and they had walked out of the law and they had spilled over into the grace of God, the goodness of God, and the blood covenant that came through the son, Jesus Christ. And when they had gotten saved, it incurred hostility in their journey for Jesus, in their running of this race, in their walking this life, they had encountered hostility. People had come against them. The devil had tried to hinder them in their journey. And they were at a place in their walk with God where they were losing their stamina and fainting. The third verse of this 12th chapter says, they were in danger of fainting in their mind. They were about to quit in the journey because the journey had demanded too much of them. The race had demanded too much of them and they were about to faint in there. Let me talk to some people today who feel like you are fainting in your mind. Now, when you faint in your mind, it doesn't mean you faint in the natural. It doesn't mean that you go around telling everybody, I'm about to give up. Fainting of the mind can happen very secretly. You can smile when you're fainting in your mind. You can 
book your head and speak in tongues and make people think you're okay. But in your mind, you have started thinking, I can't finish this. I can't do this. This is too hard for me. There's too much warfare and there's too much, there's too much opposition and I'm just gonna faint and give up in my mind. I'm gonna go through motions. I'm gonna raise a family. I'm gonna work a nine to five job. But in my thinking and in my mind, I feel like giving up. And the Apostle Paul says, if you're going through that kind of season, I wanna give you some encouragement in the race. Look at somebody and tell them, neighbor, God's gonna encourage you today. The first thing he does for these runners who are in a race and feel like giving up and they're not going, they don't feel like they're gonna be able to keep running, the first thing he says is, I want you to shift your perspective. Lord, help me preach here. He said, for those of you who are struggling, consider Jesus. Just a little shift. Consider Jesus. Why does he say consider him? Can you put that verse up for me, please? Uh, I believe it is verse three. Yes, it is. For consider him who endured hostility. Here's the problem when we're running this race and hell breaks loose and opposition shows up and hardships and hindrances and we deal with disappointment and we live through the letdowns and we process all the pain and we, and we have to deal with the setbacks. If you're not careful, it will affect your perspective of life and worse yet, it will affect your perspective of God. And if you're not careful, you will look at what you've been through and I will look at what I've been through and we will compare what we've lived to the faults of the life we thought we would live. Or, or even worse, we will look at someone else's life and all we see is their highlight reel on Facebook and everything looks victorious for them, but they don't ever put the hell they went through on the, the Instagram. Nobody knows the pain you went through. Everybody, you want everyone to see the victories, but the reality of it is behind the victories are some battles. And because you have a thought of what life should be and it turns out not so much like you thought it would, it affects your perspective. And you start thinking about God in ways that are not healthy and you start thinking about life in ways that are not healthy. And when you get myopic, and start looking at your own pain as a runner in the race, if you're not careful, it will make you feel like you can't finish. So what did, G, what did Paul say to do when you're going through the race, you feel like giving up and you got the wrong perspective? He said, consider Jesus. Why would he say consider Jesus? Because if you look at his pain compared to our pain, it's embarrassing that we give up before we get the breakthrough. You would be amazed at how many people stop serving God because somebody talked about them on Facebook. I wanna tell you the opposition I'm talking about is not just haters eating hater chips, drinking haterade and having hater tots. 
The hostility I'm talking about is when the doctor says, I don't know how you're gonna get through this. And when people tell you that there's no hope inside and when the boss tells you you don't have a job and when your kids come to you and they're struggling with finding their identity and you got all these challenges that arise and you start looking at your life and if you're not careful, you will become myopic and you will look at your suffering and your pain and you will say, maybe God is not as good as I thought he was. I wanna tell you what the Bible says. When you get to the place and you start thinking about your pain, I want you to look beyond your pain and look back 2,000 years ago at a man. His beard was plucked. His side was riven. They beat him in the back, crowned him with a crown of thorns. And when he was at his last, they hung him between heaven and earth. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The Bible said that he was surrounded by shame and that the reproach of all of us was laid up on Jesus. Those that were closest to him denied him. Those that he counted on could not be found. He was hanging on a cross and from a cross, the ones that stabbed him in the side and and they crowned him with a crown of thorns. He didn't say, Father, kill them. He said, Father, forgive them. When you're going through a bad day, I know it's bad and the pain is real, but stop looking at your mess and consider Jesus. And here's what I want to tell you. I feel my help coming on me here. If he made it through Calvary, if he for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down on the right hand of God, if hell couldn't hold him, if Rome couldn't kill him, if the cross couldn't keep him down, I think it's in order for you to get your mind off of what you've been through and to say if God did it for Jesus. If God did it for Jesus, God's about to do it for me. The same power that raised his dead body up is the same power working on you and working for you. Somebody give God praise for his power. Their perspective had to shift. They had been through some challenges, experienced some pressure, lived through the letdowns, dealt with disappointment, and their perspective got all messed up. They be- watch, they began to see their pain as punishment. I told you last week, there is a difference between punishment and discipline. Punishment is retribution for past mistakes. This discipline is development for destiny. Punishment is about you paying for your past. Discipline is about God developing you for your future. And when you have the wrong mindset about pain and problems, you'll actually get bitter at God if not careful. Because the enemy wants you to get bitter at God. He wants you to go through a bad season and you to get hardcore and a little tough and you just kind of withdraw a little bit because I thought God loved me. And if he loved me, why did he allow me to happen? Friend, I wanna tell you, you need a perspective change. You need to quit looking at your problems uh, like, an, like, a, like a reason to believe God doesn't love you and you need to start seeing your pain and your problems and the challenges and the hostility of this world. You need to see it as an invitation to get closer to God.
Do I have a Bible for this? I'm glad you asked. Look at the 10th verse of this chapter, please. In the 10th verse, I want you to see this. In Hebrews 12, 10, he says, for, for your earthly fathers chastened you for a few days. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Felt like my earthly father chastened me for a few years. How many know what I'm talking about? But the reality of it is this, they did it, the Bible says they did it, why? They did it as it seemed good to them and best to them for our development. But God disciplines his children for their profit. If you're, listen, touch your neighbor and tell your neighbor, if you're gonna go through the pain, make sure you get the profit. If I'm gonna go through that, I'm not coming out how I was before that started. Oh, y'all missing what I'm talking about right here. Let me read. If I'm gonna endure that, when I come out, there's gonna be a different version of me than the one that started. And if I'm gonna walk through the fire, when I come out of the fire, there's gonna be something on me that wasn't on me before I went through. If you're gonna go through the pain, get the profit. Let me blow your mind here. This is crazy. Look me up when you get home. The word profit is unique. It's not talking about money. It is the Greek word that talks about becoming one with. I never saw this until this week in prayer and study. This word profit literally means when you go through the disciplinary seasons of, of life, when life gets hard and people talk about you and people hate on you and things don't work out for you and you get a bad report and the, and the news didn't come in like you wanted it, when your children get hooked on another drug and your body gets hit with another thing and the devil says, see, if God loved you, you wouldn't be going through this. When those moments come, what Paul teaches us is that those moments are actually an invitation not to get further away from the Father, but when, it, when the heat is on and the fire is turned up, let me just go into another prayer meeting. Let me pray another 30 minutes. Let me worship a little bit longer. If I'm gonna go through this, I'm gonna get closer to him. If the devil's gonna turn up the fire, I'm gonna get closer to God. This, I tell you, this version of Christianity floating around in the American church is embarrassing. One little thing happens and people just walk off and leave God. I'm trying. You are no disciple of Jesus if you only serve him when he does what you want, when you want, and how you want. Disciples follow him in the good times, in the victorious times, in the breakthrough moments. But I wanna tell you disciples say, you know what? Like Job, even when he slayed me, yet will I still trust in God. Where is that in the church? Well, she talked about me. Who 
is she? Well, he lied on me. Who is he? I tell you what they done to you is not greater than what Christ did in you. Don't disregard your inheritance over some temporary trial started by some carnal loser who doesn't like the victory that is about to break out in your life. You need to learn, I feel like preaching here. You need to learn how to praise God in valleys like you're praising on mountains. Praise them when they celebrate you. But when you feel like all hell is breaking loose, don't let the devil get in your mind and get you bitter on God. God is not a bad father. He's a good, good father. He's a good, good God. Somebody say amen. Why does perspective matter? I'll tell you why. I see brother Andy on the front row today. The Lord put him here on the front row today. He's a runner. I run to the kitchen. <laughs> I run to the Piggly Wiggly. I run, I run. Andy runs miles. Every day, Devin runs miles, five miles a day. And she says things to me. She doesn't think before she speaks. She says things to me like, you wanna go run? So I say, someone has to take care of the children. It's true. Here's the deal. If you get the wrong perspective in your mind about what you've been going through, what Paul teaches us from this text is that perspective will affect posture. Read it. He says, you need to consider Jesus and you need to reframe how you feel about challenges. Challenges are not God saying he's not for you. Challenges are God inviting you to get closer to him. Watch, so that the profit of it is you actually join him in the pain and become a partaker of his holiness. Do you know how many people have not become holy-er because they have rejected the pain of life and instead of getting closer to God, they got bitter. What you're going through, whatever it is that is your stuff, your problem, your pain, it was actually allowed so that you come closer to God and come out of it with more of his nature in you rather than your nature directing and guiding your life. Pain caused Kevin to die. My greatest seasons of life where I wondered where was God were actually, now that I look back, the moments I got closest to him. And when I felt like I would buckle or you felt like you would buckle under the pressure of the worry, the stress, the pain, God was saying the only way you're going to finish this race is to see this as an invitation to come on in to my presence and let me shape in you the kind of believer that is the devil's worst nightmare. What do you do when the 
enemy turns up the heat and instead of you being scorched and destroyed and falling apart, you get tender and tears keep flowing and you come out of it on fire for God. I tell you, there is a moment in the trial of the believer. Every one of you hear me. There is a moment in every trial you will ever go through where there's something that switches in you. And instead of getting bitter against God, you get broken before him and you draw closer to him and the devil regrets he ever put you in the pressure in the first place. I don't know where that will be for you. I only tell you this, 100% of the time, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord, God, I feel him, the Lord will deliver him out of them. I only need three letters to shout on this Sunday. Oh, A. L, L, all of the family mess, all of the financial struggle, all of the faith issues, all of the pain, all of the bitterness, all of the rejection, all, slap your neighbor, tell them all. If you will just keep running, God is gonna deliver you out of it all. I don't know how long all of it lasted, but I know it don't take God as long to get you out as it did for the devil to get you in it. So I gotta keep going, we're not there. He says, he says, get your, get your focus right because your posture is off. How do we know? Put, it, uh, put the 12th verse up for me, please. He says, your shoulders, your hands are drooping and your knees are feeble. This is crazy. I didn't know this because I wouldn't need to know this. But posture is important for runners. So I Googled, Google is a friend of the preacher these days. I Googled posture and running. And the first thing that showed up is five things. I'm not gonna preach five things. I don't need all five. I just need a couple of them. Five things runner must know about posture. Number one, head up. So I went running with Devin last week. She's running, I'm pushing the baby in the strollers at a much slower pace. So she circles me and I'm bitter about it. And so I'm mad about it. And when she runs by, back is perfectly straight, hands are moving at the waist and her head up 20 feet down the road. Why? Because if you're not careful, you'll look down. If you look down, there's nothing to be excited about looking at your tennis shoes. So runners have to keep their focus 20 or 30 feet down the road. Jesus, I feel like preaching here. If you're not looking into your future, it affects your posture. Some of you are trying to run like this. I tell you, I don't know what he brought you out of, but I dare you to act like it don't matter anymore. I dare you to act like forgetting those things which are behind. I'm touch somebody and tell your neighbor, neighbor, 
Look through your windshield. Oh yeah, I'm getting ready to preach here. I don't know what's behind you, but your rear view mirror is not leading you into your future. Your rear view mirror is not leading you into your purpose. Some of you are staring at an old relationship. You're staring at an old season and you're trying to wonder why you don't have any joy. If you're gonna have joy, you gotta do what Jesus did. The Bible said who for the joy that was set before him. The joy was not behind him. The joy was not when Judas betrayed him. The joy was not while he was hanging on the cross. The joy was this day we're living in. He saw me and you and decided I'm gonna keep on running. Watch, 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 watch. He kept on running for the joy that was set before him. You'll have more joy if you'll have hope for tomorrow. Then you do pain over the sorrow of yesterday. So watch this. He says, change your perspective because your posture indicates that you're not going to be able to finish this race. So watch. You're drooping. Your hands are down, and he said, you got feeble knees, and this is crazy, but the word feeble in the Greek is the Greek word paraluo. It's where we get the word paralysis. He said, literally, you went through something that hindered you from running. You got paralyzed. Oh, Lord, if I had time. The Christians who start with joy but lose joy in the journey and get paralyzed because they go through something that they did not process properly. I feel like preaching here. If you don't handle the hardship correctly, you can actually see yourself as a son or daughter of God. And if he loved me, why did he let this happen to me? And the Bible says, that you have to address the perspective so that you can improve the posture. What do you mean? Strengthen the feeble knees, lift up those drooping hands, but he doesn't say do that until he first addresses their perspective. Because if you have the wrong perspective, you can actually lift up those weak hands and act like you got strength in the feeble knee, but if your mind doesn't change, you're going through, this is where we are in the church. We would rather people come to church and have a fake praise. I'm getting ready to preach right here. We would rather have, we would rather people come to church and have a fake praise. Everybody praise the Lord, everybody praise the Lord. You cannot truly praise God when your mind is poisoned against God and your brother and sister. I didn't find no help on that right there. I said, you cannot truly praise and worship God when your mind is poisoned toward God and toward your brother and sister. It would be much better if you addressed your incorrect perspective and start considering Jesus and his love for you rather than you just clapping aimlessly, lifting your hands aimlessly just to fill some quota that an insecure preacher needs to make him feel like he's got to hop in church. I don't care if you hop or not. I'd rather all of us get delivered than give some hypocritical half-hearted death praise where we all look excited but nobody's really healed. The 
devil is a liar. If Jesus is who he said he is, I don't need you to give him a fake praise. I need you to run to an altar, get your mind right, and when he delivers you, nobody will have to tell you how to praise God. Somebody say yes. This fake, oh Lord, here we go. This fake mess where we have not preached real life and real pain and we haven't taught the saints how to process the unexpected. And now when they go through something that wasn't on their radar, they think, is God real? Let me tell you something, God is real. And if, pe- if preachers do their job, we won't live our whole life surprised when the enemy shows up, but we will be equipped when he arrives to know, you are lying wonder devil, you came too late. Yeah, my mess is real. Yes, this pain is real. Yes, what I'm working through is real, but my God, oh, my God is real. Anybody know God is real? I know your pain is real, but does anybody know God is real? I know the mess is real, but does anybody know God is real? And so he says, change your perspective and it will help you address your posture. Why? Because if you get your posture right, if you get your back straight and your head up, it will affect your pace. Some of us have gotten paralyzed and we lost our pace. Watch, and there's a reason why you have to keep the pace. Last P, because you're a pioneer and you are cutting out trails for people to follow you in. Read the text. He said you got to create straight paths Why? Because folk are coming behind you. If you get off course, those little eyes and little hearts and little ears that God called you to lead are going to follow mama and daddy. Oh, y'all don't like this. Do you know there are sometimes I did what was right not because I wanted to? Y'all not gonna believe this. Some of y'all are like, oh, he gonna go there. I did what was right because my son was watching. Y'all don't like this, I can tell. Oh, you do it because you love God. I do love God. But there have been some seasons the enemy tried to blind me and he wanted me to think God wasn't with you. God let that happen to you. God allowed that setup to come. And where was God if he loved you? And I was tempted to quit in my mind. But somebody was watching where I was going. Not just my biological babies, that's the most important thing to me, but my spiritual sons and daughters. Do you know what happened when you smite the shepherd? If you smite the shepherd, then the sheep will scatter. Do you know how many people have lost their soul because they were following somebody that decided they would carve a path that was not a straight, holy path? Y'all ain't helping me today. There are sometimes I get up and I say, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. And God says, yeah, you can do this. There are a whole lot of people who are, you say, Pastor, no, 
nobody's following you, read your Bible. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And there are a lot of people who are following somebody who started out following Christ and then the journey got hard and they went off course. And the writer of Hebrews is telling the reader, you're a pioneer, people are following you. And sometimes you gotta walk for God if you don't feel like it because of everybody who's watching you walk. And what he paints, I'm through, almost. Oh, that was the introduction. But what he paints is a picture of a runner who hit a wall. Running, running. First half of this year, I've been running. And you got to June, and you're here today, and you're watching me online. And like my mom always told my daddy, who would drive his truck past E, She said, Eddie, your truck is running on fumes. <laughs> and some of us today, we got to the last month, the last Sunday of this first half, and we're just tired. We've been through some stuff. January through June has been tough for some of you. I know it has. In fact, maybe it ain't this year that's been tough. Maybe it's the first half of your whole life. Maybe the last 30 years has been hell breaking loose. You, some of y'all can't relate to that. Some of y'all like, oh no, I'm a Christian. Everything is wonderful. You better go look at Job. Job went through some kind of season, lost everything he had, lost all of his possessions, lost his children, lost his donkeys and his cattle and his sheep. The only thing he didn't lose was a nagging wife. I don't understand that. But she said, Job, you ought to curse God and die. Why don't you give up? And he looked at her. And in the Wallace Unauthorized Translation, woman, you so crazy. Naked I came in, naked I'll go out. Blessed be the name of the Lord my God. Some of you cruised up in here on the last Sunday of the first half of this year and you on your last wind and you feel like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to make it through the second half and keep my family together and keep my mind together and keep my business rolling and keep everything happening. And I fold my shire. I felt like God told me to preach not about the first half, but about the second half. I feel like we talk too much about the pain. I know the pain is real, but what God is about to do is about to blow your mind. Oh, let me preach about the runner. There comes a point, every runner is in a race and he's running and there comes a point in the race where he runs out. Let me see if I can remember this. Of glycosin fuel. Close. Glycogen, I told y'all. <laughs> glycogen fuel, what's glycogen fuel? It's the stuff in your belly, in your system. You eat a car bar or some kind of protein thing and you know you break it out. I don't even know what y'all do. <laughs> I tr trust me, I don't know. Cause if it was me, <laughs> I wouldn't get a bar like that. You need some fried chicken, that's what you need, but don't worry about it. Listen, I don't eat that no more, but listen, listen, it'll help you. Fly, for, fly. So you eat this bar and you're jogging and you eat this bar and you, your fuel is what you put in you, right? But there comes a point for a marathon runner when they have no, I feel like preaching here, they have no fuel left in their system. And there is about a 10, what I read, a 10 to 12 minute interval where the body is searching for an energy source. It has burnt up all all of the food that is in the system. And so you don't stop running. Although
you feel like you can't run. <laughs> you just keep on running and suddenly something happens. 10 to 12 minutes after you run out of glycogen, your body taps into fatty acids. I'm, I feel like something is happening in the room in my biology class today. What happens is your body taps into stored fat that is already in your body and it begins to burn stored fat as a source of energy and it produces a phenomena called a second wind. You actually thought I'm about to quit because I don't have the strength to finish the race. There is an interval when your body is deciding I don't have any fuel in the tank but I got enough stored fuel in my body that I'm gonna have to reach into what I stored oh my god I feel like preaching I went through something five years ago and the faithfulness of God kept me then and maybe you're going through something right now and you don't have any strength left in your spirit for right now God told me to tell you, you're about to tap into the past. The faithfulness of God that you got stored up on the inside of you. And God is about to give you a second win. Slap your neighbor, tell him a second win. If he ever did it before, he will do it again. Somebody give him praise. I want you to praise him for every time he has been faithful. Every time he worked a miracle. Every time he already made a way. Somebody give God some shouts of praise. Yay! Lift those hands and praise him for it right now. Come on. Lift those hands and praise him for his faithfulness. Does anybody have a stored up praise? Can anybody think about what he did for you 10 years ago? Think about what he did for you five years ago. Think about what he did for you last year. If he's been good, he's still good. If he's made a way before, he'll make a way again. He says, Lift those hands. I feel the Holy Ghost moving in here right now. Somebody is having a flashback of the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, the kindness of Jesus. What key is that, Julian? Uh, put it in, uh, I'm going to guess, D. That's the wrong key. Put it in G. We're gonna go through the alphabet. Through it all. Through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Oh, through it all. Woo! Through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. I've had many tears and sorrows, 
I've had questions of tomorrow's. That's the verse. There's even been times I didn't know right from wrong. Yeah, right there. But in every situation, God brought blessed consolation that his trials only came to make me strong. So we sing through it all. Somebody throw those hands up, come on. Through it all, come on. I've learned to trust. Oh yes, I've learned to trust. Somebody say through it all. Come on, say through it all. I've learned to. Throw those hands up and sing that chorus one more time. Say through it all. Hey, hallelujah. Oh, I've learned to trust. promise that the cross would not be heavy the heel would not be hard I want you to lift your hands right now I believe a second wind is coming to people who are not going to limp through the rest of this year you're going to race and run and get your joy back and get your hope back and get your peace back. And if I'm preaching to you and have preached to you and you need this, get to the altar right now, hurry. I'm not gonna do a close your eyes and lift your hand, get to the altar right now. If you need a second win for the second half of this year, I want you to get to the altar right now, come on. Get to the altar and throw those hands up. I believe strength is coming. I believe strength is coming, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. Come on, press all the way in. People are coming behind you. People are coming behind you. Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Draw closer to him. If you don't get anything else out of this message today, let the pain lead you to the place of closer intimacy with God. Thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. I need everyone else who's not coming to the altar. If you're gonna stay here, I want you to lift your hands. Abby's gonna sing that chorus again. I want us to sing that chorus again because the Spirit of God is moving on hearts this morning. And I don't know who's getting a revelation, but through it all, the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of God can be found in every situation, every trial, every adverse situation, every circumstance. Come on, come on, let's sing that again. Through it all, come on, Abby, sing. Through it all, come on.
Hey family, I believe God is touching hearts right now. The preached word of God causes the lost to come to Christ. I believe someone's watching. Maybe you feel a million miles away from God. Maybe you've been in church. Maybe you've never been in church. Listen, I want to tell you that it doesn't matter where you are in life right now. If you want Christ to save you, no matter what you've done and no matter how long you've been doing it, if you'll turn your heart to him, he'll save you right now. I want to lead you in a prayer. Say, dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I'm asking you to save me from my sin. Save me from myself. Lord, come in and be the king of my life. I give you my past, my present, and my future. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to rescue me today. In Jesus' name, by faith, I believe that I'm saved and a child of God. Amen. Listen, friend. I know that's a simple prayer, but I believe with all of my heart, salvation is as simple as turning from sin and turning to Christ. If you did that today, I, I want to pray that God give you a strong Bible-believing church. I want you to go to KevinWallace.tv, learn how the resources that we have can help you in your journey. Listen, we want to pray for you. Drop us a line on the prayer request. Let us know you gave your heart to Christ, and our team's going to be praying for you this coming week. You're going to get stronger. You're going to grow deeper in your love for God. You're going to become everything he put you on this planet to be. I'm praying for you. I love you. I'll see you next week. God bless.